Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey guys, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. Thank you for tuning in this week. Today, we are going to be talking, Mark and I, with Ben from Elemental. How's it going, Ben? Hi, Gail. Hi, Mark. I'm great. Hey, Mark. Still around? <laughs> yeah, we usually do. So it yeah, is, I'm going to give some context to the podcast, right? <laughs> it is 8 a.m. I woke up about 20 minutes ago. Same with Mark, but we'll do our best. Usually we do it at the end of the day. If you want... That's the best morning routine to start with a podcast. Yeah, it's like it gets you talking, you know, it gets you out there. Usually in the morning, I'm the guy that like doesn't <laughs> talk for two hours and goes through all the stats, etc. But I guess that changes my routine a little bit. So if you want to find all the show notes for this podcast, you can find them all on authorityhacker.com slash elemental dash interview. And as you can guess by who's here and by the title of this podcast, we are going to talk a little bit about Elemental, just to give some context about the recommendations we have made on our end in terms of page builders. We recently switched not all of our sites because, well, rebuilding sites takes time, but the new sites we're building and new projects we're building to Elemental. We used to use Thrive Architect. And this has been a bit of a learning curve. It's definitely quite a bit different. There's pros, there is cons. We do find the pros outweigh the cons, mostly because we find Elemental to be a lot less of a buggy product. So like when you do the same thing twice, you tend to get twice the same result, which is quite nice. But still, my personal feeling is that the way you guys are building Elemental is not necessarily for us who are like affiliate marketers and people who run their own websites, etc., but more for designers and so on. And I think we should talk a little bit about that and maybe maybe even give you some ideas through the podcast. First of all, I think you should introduce Elemental for the people who don't know about it and who maybe want to learn through about it, not through our Prisma experience. So Elementor is a visual page builder and it allows you to design and uh, create your website uh, easy and visually on WordPress. Much like other CMSs, it brings the ease of use um, of designing real-time. So we launched a bit over uh, two years ago, and we kind of swept uh, the WordPress community by storm, and now we have uh, over a million active installs. So it's the number one page builder. And we've grown an amazing community around the Elementor developers that uh, create their own uh, add-ons and solutions and designers and people that build it. Hundreds of thousands of websites uh, depend on it. So uh, we built it with the vision to that this was a need to have a, a great interface that allows you to quickly create a website and let uh, designers and website creators feel free to develop sophisticated looking and sophisticated performing websites without having to get assistance from developers every step of the way. Cool. How many people use Elemental today? Kind of hard to to measure, but the usual measure is active installs because this is how many websites have it installed. So 1 million active installs. It means WordPress installations that have the active plugin on their site. And do, do you have any idea what kind of market share that is of the page builder market? Um, it's also pretty hard to to measure. You can probably take the the five largest page builders and and uh, you know do the math. But um, 
I don't know how accurate that would be because I would usually like we see a lot of like one of our competitors is a pretty uh, was developed a long long time ago. It's a back back end uh, page builder. So the reason that it still has you know that that much that many uh, active installs is because I don't think it's on a lot of active sites today. So I see it's hard to measure. Yeah, you guys have an interesting business model as well. And I think it's worth mentioning that uh, Elementor has a free version. So anyone can go and usually use the plugin repository inside their WordPress site and install a really decent version of Elementor. I mean, you can build a full site even without the paid version. And then you guys say sell an upgrade that essentially gives you more templates and more elements to build your site with. How has that worked out for you? Like, do a lot of people upgrade to pro or almost, like, I mean, I guess most installs are free, but in terms of business model, looking back now, two years later, how do you, like, are you happy with this? Or like, do you wish you did anything differently? Well, for us, it worked, worked really great. And I think people think of the freemium model as a one thing, but actually there are so many variations. You can run a freemium model that it's really... Uh, more accurate to to see it this way and the way we approached it is okay you want to build a website you don't want to have like a hinted plugin that uh, is the free version and allows you to do like get a taste of what the plugin is about and then you can upgrade we didn't want that at all so we wanted to create everything inside the free version you can create websites however you like if you want to take it to the next level and you want to actually start making money so you're going to need some things like a form, like slides, like a re more recent theme builder. It's not like the light version. The free version is an all-encompassing, like you said, you can create amazing websites on it. And the pro is just, okay, you like the product, you want more. It gives you a whole lot of value, real value when you upgrade to pro. So that's kind of uh, our approach to the whole thing. But do you, don't you feel like a lot of people just like, could be upgrading to pro if you're offering less on the free version or something. And like, is that something that you feel you'd have done differently if you started again today? I don't think we would have done differently because we still continue to release a lot of things to the free version. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a, a vision and something we believe in. We still believe it's the same thing that made WordPress, uh, you know, the number one CMS. And I think once someone tries your product, and sees how great it is. That's it for me as well as, as a consumer. You're much more eager to, to upgrade. So it's kind of a balance. I'm sure like if some of the free features were on Pro, it might give us more Pro installations. But uh, on the other hand, it might get us less free. So it's kind of a balance that you need to, to decide as the business developer what you're going to do. Yeah, I guess it gives you a lot of market share by having a really good free version. Another thing as well is because you guys have, have a free version, but you're also open source, meaning that any developing studio can come in and create the add-ons to Elementor. And one thing I'm seeing, I, I mean, I've been buying so many extensions for Elementor recently and trying a bunch, etc. And one thing I'm seeing is uh, I feel like a lot of the studios that develop plugins for Elementor, a lot of them come up with really cool original solutions. Like, for example, tables were missing in even Elementor Pro, and I found it in several extra plugins. Uh, but I also feel like the new plugins that are sold as add-ons 
compete directly with you guys, the creators of the actual core plugin. How does that go with you guys? Like, do you think that is hindering you or do you think that's good? Well, first of all, this is also something we openly developed. Mm-hmm. We openly tried to, to make. So we created uh, you know, the API and a whole website for, with tutorials for developers, teaching them how to build widgets because we're a small team of developers small but efficient but we can do everything so people ask us you know like you said tables and timelines and more recently someone created a, a dashboard you can create a website you can create the page in elementor and have it on on your dashboard so these are so great and imaginative uh, solutions and we have our own things uh, our own pace of development so this just ups the pace brings more users entices more users to to use it Sometimes it, it it's natural that it can be you know a, a bit competitive. First of all, that's not necessarily a bad thing because it drives us to make even better things. As long as the the add-ons you know they create unique and and creative extensions of Elementor rather than than just copy Elementor Pro, then then I th- I think it's it's amazing and we'll keep developing it and we'll keep having it as one of the pillars, the ecosystem of developers openly you know developing the the add-ons and solutions again that's something that worked for wordpress and it works uh, for us as well cool so i'm gonna recontextualize a bit our story as i said we used to use thrive architect and the truth is we've had a lot of bugs including bugs that costed us upwards like 40 50 thousand dollars of sales or something in one of our launches with one of our sales pages that was built on it we made a podcast about it so the regular listeners will know about it but since that can day, can you tell me in short why that happened? Like uh, basically, <laughs> the page would not render on some versions of Safari. So, like I've, a lot of iPhone users could not like it would they would just get a blank page, and overall, just mobile responsiveness was pretty bad. But I, I would say like there are a lot of bugs basically, and we saw this with the guys that created the plugin, and there were some bugs, etc. But since that day, Mark hates page builders. Uh, he's literally made multiple <laughs> arguments against using them. And he's like, I'm, I want a developer, etc. Except until recently. So we actually rebuilt that sales page. We thought we rebuilt that sales page from scratch in HTML. And we literally found this week that the developer recycled the page builder, sorry, architect's code in that sales page. So actually I cut uh, the architect on that website at some point and the whole page just got destroyed. So I was like, well, see, it's like not always better. But Mark definitely has... Like he just has that bad taste in his mouth from that time, and I've been trying very hard to to convince him to use Elementor on our site. <laughs> He's been fighting really hard. He's finally giving in, but I think I want to let him express his concerns a little bit. Well, I mean, at first, I feel it's fair to point out I'm I'm an in- entirely rational human being here. I'm not some kind of have some kind of like grudge on my shoulder against page builders in general. I do have a couple of questions, though, which are, are just about the general use of, of page builders. And the first one is, do you think that everyone who currently has a WordPress site should be using a, a page builder? And is there any anyone who should not use a page builder? Is there any situation when you would recommend it's not using question. Elementor? And the best answer is it depends who you are. I mean, if you look at the development of a website, it has many stages of development. So an Elementor is increasingly getting into different parts of these 
um, these processes. So you have the basic site design, the first site design. And this is, I mean, here page builders are amazing. Getting the website up and running, uh, even if it's sophisticated, you know, everything from listing sites and, and WooCommerce soon. So here page builders are a necessity in my view. It, it, they, they allow designers to, to reach much better uh, results. Then you have like bloggers. So sometimes in, in our blog, for instance, I do use Elementor, but I think if you're writing mo mostly content and maybe add a few images, yeah, you could use, it's like Medium. You could use uh, the, the standard uh, WordPress. Uh, you don't actually have to have a page builder. Then you have more complex sites, let's say listings. So here you have um, amazing tools like ACF and Toolset where someone who's just the content, um, how do you say, the, the input, the, the person that enters the, the values, it's a profile uh, website. It's a jobs website. So you, they write the title of the, of the person and the, the description and everything. They just need to type information. So, of course, you don't do that uh, in a page builder. You do that in ACF or in WordPress. And then that information can get translated automatically to, Word, to a page builder, to Elementor. So this is also an amazing time saver where is Elementor being used if it's automatically set? You, you don't have the user using it. It depends how you, you view it. So do you think all designers should stop using Photoshop in the web design, web development process and do their Definitely initial not. designs in no. Elementor? Because, you know, it's a limited uh, tool. It's not meant to edit photos. So if you want to add photographs and we, we use it, we use Sketch and, and Photoshop to, to create amazing photography that you're going to put on your website. But if it is something like cutting Photoshop into like bits into uh, the different, uh, you know. Yeah, the slicing. That's definitely not a great way to build website. And, and it's, you know, less and less, uh, it's a method that is used. Would you say that page builders in general lend themselves more to the sort of individual website owner who perhaps doesn't have all these Photoshop and HTML skills? Or is it also meant to be... Uh, targeted towards people like maybe larger companies who have the full-time designer, full-time developer, full-time marketer, like a team of different well, people? I think that this depends if you're talking only on WordPress or you're talking about the whole sphere of web design. So I think what happened in WordPress, what happened specifically for Elementor, I think I might be a bit presumptuous, but I kind of think we changed the, the lingo and changed the, when we launched, I mean, and initially we drew mostly, like you said, site owners and, and not uh, the, the agencies. But as things progressed, more and more agencies understood that in order to be competitive with freelancers, they, they're going to have to use these amazing new tools. And our competitors also progressed uh, a lot in those departments of, of uh, capabilities of their tools. So... I think the conversation is changing. And if you're seeing, if you're looking outside the realm of WordPress, then you're seeing a lot of platforms that are solely used by designers. So it's, it's really the conversation and the conversation is always 
and the trends and it, that's always uh, changing. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point actually around the, the, the conversation. It's not just the, I guess there's two parts to it. There's one, let's build the design that we want. And whether it's you working on your own or, you know, you delivering for a client or in a bigger team, that's something that has to be achieved. But once that's achieved, there's also, okay, who's the end user that's going to update and make edits and, and tweak things, even like move elements around that, that kind of thing. And for sure, I mean, page builders are much, much easier to do than, you know, sending a request to yeah. a dev and waiting. This is one of the reasons a, I want to keep a a page builders for our business. I was telling Mike, I was like, I hate it. It's like, I want to do a change on Saturday. I, yeah. I need to wait on Monday for someone to come in and do the changes. I don't want to do that. I want to click the edit button and just drag the button somewhere else or change the color or fix whatever it needs to be fixed. Overall, this saves us so much money being able to do this. Yeah, for sure. That's like a huge, There's huge one benefit question of, of page I think builders. That I, I've been thinking a lot of in the past. Uh, we, we started also a podcast and I'm, I've started talking to people from the industry. And there's one question that kind of arose to me. Okay, because I'm talking about the, the business of, of design and the business of website building. I also listened to a few podcasts on, in the subject. And basically what I see is that there are two differentiated professions, I would say. There's the web designer that can say, hey, look at my cool designs and instantly get hired because they have an amazing design skills, an amazing design skill. Mm -hmm. And alternatively, there's individuals that are not top-notch designers, but they can bring value in other means. So they can create sites with amazing content or SEO or the right conversion rates. And these need different business strategies because again if you're a designer put your designs on dribble or behance you're amazing people will hire you for a lot of money i know because there is a, a great need for highly skilled designers but it's interesting to me that there is a new market that i think is opening up for individuals that can their workarounds using templates or creating uh, minimalistic and, and simple, straight-to-the-point websites. And they also need to, to be attended with. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of our, our market, really. I mean, it's, it's marketers. We're not building a site to look as good as possible. It's like the, the money side of it is kind of like the primary motivation. Yeah, it makes me laugh because so I did... Um, for sure, so for we're sure recording that's, that's our beginners right. course. We're actually using Elementor, so we're re-recording everything right now. I did the branding yesterday. And the whole branding part is like 20 minutes. So I was like, I'm explaining, we're not building the next Apple here. But it's like, you can, with very basic stuff, build a great website. And a tool like Elementor, especially with the, you know, when you can set the default font, the color palette, etc. Then really easily, you can create simple branding that is still better than most websites on the internet. But it's, it's not rocket science, basically. It's really helping. I think people understand that design can be an iterative process. So if you're launching a business, if you're launching a, a new site for the first time, in most cases, when at least with this kind of gradual SEO targeted kind of business where you, it, it ramps up over time, uh, you're not doing a big launch, it, you can iterate on your design. And if you have the tool set to do that quickly, then more power to you. So I actually had another general page, page builder question. And... I was wondering, do you think that the inherent flexibility in page builders, so I don't know how many elements are in Elementor now, but there's a lot of different options in there, especially if you go for the pro. 
and the customizability is is epic. You can move stuff around and add all sorts of padding and spacing and really get what you want quite it's quite easy to achieve. But do you think this makes achieving mobile responsiveness more challenging? Why how so? Because as a as a new user to Elementor, it's kind of positioned as you can design anything you want, move stuff around, and you know that's great. It's almost like this uh, responsiveness part of it is like an afterthought. So for the beginner, it's like you have to learn two skills here: uh, how to use the the Elementor thing, and then how to um, well, make it responsive. We, basically, if you approach web design or creating websites. You have to have a seriousness to it. I mean, I think that's one of the problems of the competitors of WordPress, which I will not name. <laughs> oh, please do name them. We like, we like dropping names. So I think that, I mean, there are many competitors of WordPress, but I think that if you're using a tool that solely based on, okay, it's going to be easy and brain-free, it's going to be automatic, Oh, we're talking yeah. about weeks here, right? <laughs> One example, but a competitor in that realm, mm-hmm. you know, Weebly, Squarespace, etc. I think if you're as a client, if you approach how you're going to make money from creating websites like this, you're going to fail because no matter which tool you, you're going to use, uh, and you know, Photoshop and Sketch, you always have to have that that seriousness. I'm going to create a website right, and we we do. Um, you know, like uh, we do guarantee that we provided all the tools that you need to do all that. So you have the mobile editing tools. And in our process, it's simple. We create, you know, we have designers that are very creative people. They create amazing uh, templates and speed arts. They finish designing it. They go to, they know they have to go to mobile view, fix and adjust everything. We don't release any blog posts, any page without going through all this this process before i guess it's kind of our responsibility to teach and we we've been trying to do this we're trying to expand these efforts to teach our users like the proper rule of thumbs and proper uh, workflow that they have to adopt but it's also the responsibility of the the user so it's great tools come great responsibility. Definitely. <laughs> I agree. I mean, it's just one thing that it's also people did not get used to do their mo- Like people assume wrongly when the, the responsive stuff came to WordPress, they were like, oh, it's already mobile responsive. You have nothing to do, etc." But when you guys build a tool that's as flexible as Elementor or many other page builders out there for that, it, it cannot be perfect on every device right away just because of the amount of customization options. And then it's up to you to go to mobile view, which we haven't done many times, Mark, FYA. And then just go and fix it. But I, I actually find it pretty easy to fix as long as you actually think about it. So I think there should be, a, I have an interesting game for you right now. I'm going to name competitors of Elementor and you tell me why people should pick Elementor over them. So are you ready for this game? Wow. Let's pick DV to start with. You know, I've been asked these sort of <laughs> questions like I think dozens of times, and I've always said I don't badmouth competitors. Just say something you're doing better. You know, there's probably many things they do better than you as well, right? So it's just like what would make Elementor more compelling than DV, or what is a situation where it would be more compelling? The one thing that comes up to mind is that you're not restricted to one theme. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you can change whatever theme you're using. Uh, I think that's a, a big plus, especially because it gives the if you take the the average website creator, they usually switch between themes in a five year period, I would say yeah. at least a couple of times. Yeah, we're feeling it right now. We're switching teams and it's a pain. Uh, <laughs> how about Beaver Builder? I know they've released a new version recently as well. I think here the the design aspects really go a long way. The ability to, I think our dedication to, to design, uh, to create a tool that is meant for designers, that's something that is uh, very handy, even if you're just, you're not a designer because... Let's say you're not a designer, you're a marketer. You want great websites just to make a profit. But mm-hmm. you've seen an amazing, cool thing that requires that extra flexibility on that other uh, website that you admire. Uh, so here, uh, a page builder that has the dedication to design really goes a long way. Yeah, I see what you mean. I also find the user friendliness, uh, friendliness sorry, of building websites with Elementor a little bit. It's a feels nicer, you know, uh, the interface. Uh, let's do one last one, then we talk about Gutenberg, which is kind of a, not really a competitor. A Strive Architect? I don't know. Pass. I ju- I, I would just say just just try them both, and I, I think you'll. All right, I definitely feel. Like- I mean, I, I think I can answer that. Yeah. I answered a lot. I think consistency would be would be. I, I, I would say I would answer like this. I think we're really flattered that they were they were inspired by our page builder. Okay, fine. Uh, we're gonna leave it there. <laughs> All right. So now let's talk about Gutenberg, right? Gutenberg is the new WordPress editor that's being built by the WordPress team themselves. It brings some kind of page builder esque capabilities to the default editor, which was maybe aging a little bit. But I've seen you guys are, you know, making posts about preparing Elementor for that new page editor. How is that going to change things? And how do you see both of these editors living together? Okay, so first of all, I want to say that we we did we have started the compatibility and making sure everything works and everything is flowing and and great. In our company, if you've like if you've been updated. In the past two years, we work really fast. I mean, we have the adaptability to launch a lot of new features roughly every week, every couple of weeks. It's something that we believe is important in order to stay competitive. And here we're going, we, we have to have some sort of idea how it's going to span out in order to not make any development that is like thrown into the trash once the actual product launches. So we're, on the one hand, staying compatible and making sure everything works. On the other hand, we're kind of seeing how it's going to uh, span out before it launches into core. Okay, well, how do you see this? I mean, now there's beta versions out there, etc. Like, how do you see, like, where do you think people will use more Elementor? Where do you see people use more Gutenberg? And is the text widget in Elementor going to become a Gutenberg widget? Like, well, how do you see it, at least even if it's not what happens for real? So first of all, some compatibility is, you know, we're going to do it. We have a few ideas. I mean, several branches of ideas where we're going to go with the compatibility, but Basically, it's a good thing. We see it as a good good thing because people get used to page builders this way, this way of visual writing on the page. 
So I think it will increase the awareness um, need for Elementor. And I think that, I mean, Gutenberg is great for creating content and Elementor is for a specific niche, which is people who are making websites for a living, which is a, a fraction of uh, WordPress. So people who make websites or give services, professionals that give services for design or, or website creation, this is our market. And I think, I mean, it's not even competitor because our tool provides that and Gutenberg, I don't think it's it's meant for that. It's more for content editing and, you know, like the blogger can create their nice new blog post with images and everything. So do you think that in future, the Gutenberg editor may develop further so there's more of an overlap between it and an element? That might be, but there's a whole lot of things you have to consider when you're creating a designer tool. So you mentioned the mobile editing, but there's a whole long list of, of things. And we're going to see how it spans out, but basically, I don't think that that's the direction and the goal of Gutenberg. Yeah, I can imagine that would be incredibly complex to make a, a, a tool like that, which, which suits everyone using WordPress. This was the needed you know, technological advancement that Matt had to progress in order to stay competitive with the current uh, other site builders. So it's like it has to be done, but uh, I don't think that it's going to develop in that direction. Cool. I want to just take the discussion towards maybe slightly more technical grounds and talk about just features you guys build and kind of like ask why you did it this way or how we feel. And I wanted to start this discussion with something that you've already kind of hinted at since the beginning of the interview, which is that people should be using the default WordPress editor for editing blog content. We do a lot of blog content. And the thing is, and I'm sure you're familiar with sites like, you know, Backlinko and so on. We produce these really big pieces of content, really illustrated, all these things. And we used to use Thrive Architect in our case to build these posts. And the truth is when we've swapped to Elementor, we actually find the process a little bit more complicated. Reason why, for example, is with, we, we used to use Architect and like we, if we wanted, we had a long text element and we wanted to put an image in the middle. We could just drag the image, the image item, and just drop it anywhere between paragraphs, and it would appear there, etc. And just like overall, just splitting text widgets with elements in between, having things like table of contents built in, having things like tables built in, made our life a little bit easier. But it seems like your direction is more towards professional designers, people who want to build pages rather than posts, I guess, and that kind of stuff. Is there like you made a conscious decision? Is there any plan to also? make Elementor more quote-unquote blog post friendly or do you really believe in that firm split between the WordPress editor for posts essentially and you guys for more elaborate pages? Well, I can tell you that as I mentioned, we also, I mean, when I write, publish the blog posts in the Elementor blog, I use Elementor. Mm -hmm. So I can't say, honestly say that it's uh, <laughs> it's not meant for that. Oh, it works. It just it just feels like it, it. Sometimes it could be a little bit. Or overall, it hasn't been the highest priority, you know. Well, a week ago we shared like a prototype of something that we plan to to have, which is the the map of uh, that you can switch uh, elements around. Uh, I think this will be crucial and amazing for long. I mean, blog posts are not the only long content there is. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen some really long landing pages. 
I mean, landing page, you either have that, you know, above the fold short version or you have the fully feature, the, you know, long list of, uh, to scroll through. So uh, I think the map will, will um, really make it easier to, to manage the different areas of uh, the long piece. Um, it is something we're looking into and, you know, it does have lower priority than designer or even marketer tools or the segment. But mm-hmm. uh, it's, it doesn't mean it's off uh, our scope. I mean, it, we know the importance of things like that. And we've also been recently um, doing all these in-depth pieces into how to A-B test and all that and really long articles. And uh, so we're definitely going to go there sometime. So if you have feature requests in that direction, point them uh, towards me. Okay, sure. There's a GitHub, right, where people can put their feature requests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll probably link to that in the show notes. So anyone that uses Elementor can go there and just lobby for whatever feature they want to be in. Another thing that at least is a legacy for page builders is they're known to be slow and to add a lot of clunky code. And a lot of old ones were based on short codes, etc. And also just, you know, you would deactivate them and your site would look like Frankenstein or Frankenstein's creator, rather. How do you guys address this? How do you guys try to stay lean? And I, I know you've been tested to be one of the fastest page builders out there, and you were close, very close to HTML, raw HTML performances and so on, but like, it seems like you guys do a good job. So how do, you, how do you try to stay lean, and how do you address this, essentially? So this is the, one of the toughest things to market, because... Mm-hmm. Uh, when we create, you know, a shape divider feature, it's easy to show a quick two-minute video. But when you're writing code with good writing standards, good code standards, it's kind of hard to deliver to your audience. And this is something that has been done since day one. It's one of the key differentiators. I mean, we don't use short codes. You you uh, deactivate Elementor. You still have all your content. I've been seen lately in the group without any soliciting from our department, users posting screenshots from Pingdom and, uh, you know, Google speed test uh, showing like uh, these amazing results. So what I had in mind is kind of uh, trying to maybe uh, deliver it more clearly in our, in our blog. We mm-hmm. had a, a speed tutorial, but we're, I think we're going to also like showcase people that are doing it using Elementor. Someone recently said he's using Elementor and like 19 other plugins and he still reaches uh, these amazing results. So I would, my my goal is like to find this pro user of some sort and go in depth with him with maybe an interview or something. You know what would be really cool is like finding someone that has a website and ends up rebuilding the exact same website with Elementor and measure the, the the speed gains, you know, uh, maybe over the old technology and be like, look, you can have the exact same website. The only thing that changes is the quality of code behind. And this is the speed gains and maybe outline the marketing benefits from this, like higher conversion, higher ranking Google, et cetera, et cetera. And be like, oh, if you switch to Elementor, this is what you can get. An ugly website and turn it into, I mean, you, you can't, uh, there's so many things you can do in, in the, those terms of how many benefits you get when you, Take a website, improve the design, improve the speed. It's a good idea. Yeah. 
But yeah, I think the point of having the exact same website would show that it's like actually just the quality of code that improved this and that would highlight it, I guess. Well, you know, uh, we had uh, a guest, uh, Dave Foy, on our, on our YouTube channel and he created, recreated the Flywheel uh, yeah, website, I but I think the Flywheel blog, but I think Flywheel already has a, a, a speedy site, so I don't think that... Yeah, I mean, they have to, right? <laughs> One thing that you mentioned there was around your uh, your community, and I've seen, especially on Facebook, it's it's huge and very very active. Did you guys consciously work to sort of use that as a essentially marketing channel, or is that just something that's kind of occurred organically? We definitely chose to develop the 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 group, so we put you know links kind of everywhere, pointing it to if you want to get involved go and, and uh, visit our, our group because it was important for us to build the ecosystem, build the conversations, have people helping each other. So, of course, it's all, also helpful when we want to put something out and have an audience, then I think it's, it's, it's a must. So it yeah. worked out great. It worked it has, out really well, actually. Yeah. The challenges to it, but all in all, it's, it's an amazing uh, thing. And it's, it doesn't serve only as a marketing tool because you have like newbies asking questions and people answering them and, and the professionals who are answering are getting jobs from them. So it's kind of a win-win in that way. And a lot less support work for you guys, I imagine. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's always nice, you know. <laughs> One of the things that you started doing recently is dynamic content. Um, so essentially you plug in with... WordPress plugins such as uh, ACF, Advanced Custom Fields. And I think you're working towards an integration with tool sets as well. I know it's on beta right now. Yeah, yeah. It's on um, uh, RC. Yeah. So it's really cool because, I mean, for us, for example, we build a lot of like review sites, etc. It's like, I like the idea of, you know, being able to build a custom post type for each product we promote and then put a bunch of values and then ACF it in different posts so that I can update my values in one area and then it updates everywhere, right? It's great, but I still feel it's really the beginning. For example, for us, because of the types of sites we build, I wanted to do, you know, dynamic star ratings. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like sort of one to zero to five stars, I guess. Uh, and then dynamically filled based on whatever value I have in my uh, product custom post. Can't do that yet. So I wanted to know what's the plan with dynamic content and what is there out there that you can't do yet that you'd like people to be able to do? Well, we're constantly adding features to this. So the recent, I mean, the, the ACF integration was already done before, but now we're going to add more widgets to it, mm. um, like the Flipbox and a few other widgets so you can uh, do more. And it's, it's really the, the beginning and it takes time and these tools are complicated. So it's not, uh, you know, um, straightforward and um, it takes a lot of uh, our development efforts, but it, for us, it's, it's very important. I've seen we're going to do a, a co-blog um, post about the thing you can do with Toolset and Elementor, and I've seen the demonstration, and really, it's it's amazing. I mean, I know. I mean, in the past, people asked asked our our company like, how can you do a, a search and filter and do all those complex things? And usually, we said like, okay, we have a page builder. It's it's a it's a design tool. It's a tool to, to get your website up and running. And now with this integration, it opens up really a whole world of possibilities to explore. So this 
is also hand in hand with WooCommerce, which is also coming out uh, soon, also in beta now. So this is the direction that our company is going. I mean, this is the, the direction of Elementor. Like moving forward, we want to explore other more things we can do with this tool. So can I, you give us a teaser of like something really cool you've seen that's coming up? Basically, now we're actually working on, on these, uh, what I just said, on WooCommerce and on NCF and Toolset. Um, like you said, you saw really cool examples or like something really amazing. Like uh, yeah, yeah. Any- yeah, yeah. The, the, the cool thing was uh, a, a listing site for, it was like, uh, I don't want to give out the teaser, but it was <laughs> like a, a sporting website where you have all those instructors and they're spread out on a map so you can search for them and you see it, you see them on the map and how close they are to you and you can filter them according to different parameters and uh, this is uh, using toolset and elementor and it's really really amazing what you can i mean if you think about the things you can develop with that yeah i like it it's like you could imagine almost we're not there yet i think but like sites like airbnb and so on at some point are at least inspired by these kind of like processes to be, be being yeah. able to build them with Elementor, which would be amazing for non-developers. Another feature that you guys released this year is the team builder, which I I really love. Like it's, I used to be so frustrated, like even with normal page builders, you know, you, you used to be able to edit the content area, but anything around, you still had to rely on whatever your team was giving you. To be honest, it's gotten a lot better, but like, you know, two years ago, most teams, you couldn't edit much unless you were rewriting the CSS and HTML. Now with the team builder, you can essentially take your header, your footer, your sidebars, whatever, and just build it in a drag and drop where on Elementor with conditions as well. So you can create different headers for different categories, etc. So it's really, really good. I feel the team builder, the team providers probably hate you at this point. Aren't you afraid they're going to stop recommending you or something? Yeah, that's not what we've seen. I mean, you still need the theme and people do appreciate the theme, but if you want the flexibility to change the design, I mean, it's really a game changer. So I think a lot of themes are actually trying to think how they can work with us. And we've seen some amazing examples with the Ocean WP and Astra mm-hmm. and Generate Press. They're kind of the forerunners in this department. Uh, Hestia is another the- great theme. They're kind of updating their themes uh, with all our recent uh, releases. Uh, so I think the themes that are smart enough to to ad- adapt and create their own uh, solution that um, that complement uh, Elementor, those will be the themes that show the the largest growth. Yeah, I agree. I just I was more thinking of the old market, right? The way it was when people would sell on Team Forest and like you know full featured, like with the kind of terrible backend page builder built in, etc. I guess yeah. these people are probably scared, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because my like the way I see it now, it's like I don't even need to install the theme anymore. I can literally just keep the default WordPress theme. It's not as good as Astra, for example. I'm using Astra lately. I quite like it. We use GeneratePress on one of our sites as well. These themes are really good. And, you know, you need a theme right now, as you said, and I would recommend these as well. But, like, it's not that far off from just keeping the default WordPress theme and just rebuilding the whole site and not even needing a theme at all, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's also a possibility, but you do have a lot of things that are dealt with in the theme level, uh, but basically those lean, uh, simple themes are great 
have uh, great benefits to them. Yeah, I still feel it puts a ceiling on what this, like basically you're taking away a lot of responsibilities from the team builders and puts a ceiling on what teams will do in the future. And to a level where when you look at WordPress also developing things like Gutenberg and stuff, obviously it's not a page builder yet, but imagine if this becomes closer to a page builder, then then is the team framework even survive WordPress in like five years or something? Not right now. I have a feeling that you guys could definitely just be taking over that whole framework, basically. That business model might change. That's definitely something that uh, might happen. Yeah, I agree. There's been a little bit of drama around a recent update for Elementor. Uh, I'm sure you know which one I'm talking about. You guys recently introduced right-click. So there was a lot of options that would be on the front end when you would mouse over an element or in the options on the left panel. And recently, you've moved a lot of these options to a right-click for elements. You've also introduced copy-paste for elements and for styles in elements, which I personally really like the copy-paste for the styles. But a lot of users are really struggling. And I feel like because you're turning two years old and a lot of people have built a lot of habits with your tool, they are a little bit frustrated right now. So I was wondering if you wanted to say a word about this. Do you think it's just a case of them getting used to it or if there's a real problem here? Well, first of all, you know, we listen to the audience. I mean, it's very important for us to listen to our users and about 80% of the features are actually based on user feedback so that we get on, on GitHub. So when we did this change to the UI, it was kind of expected that it's going to be challenging to, to deal with. But when we, we understood that when we introduce copy style, copy paste, we're going to have to have this change and also to keep on the same level of other platforms, other software, that's how they usually work. Google Docs and other platforms work with right-click. So, and when this came out, it was mixed voices. So some people loved it, some people hated it, improved workflow. And we decided recently to reintroduce uh, in the back end an option. So if you are eager and are set to go back to the previous version, you, you can do that uh, in the next uh, release. But we do think that the direction is, I mean, we have a, a clear vision where we want to take Elementor. And so how much it's, it's setting to say, but we listen to all feedback and we have, when you have a, a million users, you're going to have to aggregate all those feedback, add in your own opinion and vision and then decide where you're going, where you're going to take the product. And that's what we did. So I think also something like when you get the change, you know, you get the new uh, Google Ads instead of AdWords, and you have to adapt to certain uh, changes in the interface. It's going to be frustrating for two weeks. Then you're going to forget about it, forget how it's, how, you know, it's going to be second nature. Um so I think that's also something that uh, is happening. I mean, at first, like, it interrupts the, the automatic workflow and it needs some adapting. But once people get used to it, then they actually prefer to use it like, like this. Yeah, fair enough. I agree. I mean, I personally started using it. I, I used Elementor a bit, but, like, I, used it, I started using it a lot because we're rebuilding our authority hacker site on Elementor in the last three weeks and I personally had no problem transitioning. But I've seen so many posts on the Facebook group and so on that I, I wanted to ask you about this. 
I had plenty of other features I wanted to talk to, but we're already pushing quite long on this podcast. Um, I think a lot of people that are listening to this, especially if they're using Elementor or if they're interested in trying, they're also interested in hearing um, maybe some of the things that may be coming next for Elementor and what you guys are focusing on. Anything you can say about this? Well, uh, I think this, that uh, we're going to... I mean, I've mentioned three things. The, the map that is coming uh, in the future and uh, WooCommerce and the integration to those custom post uh, mm -hmm. plugins. So that's our focus for uh, the next uh, you know, couple of months. Okay. That's what I can share at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you should keep some. Don't say everything. Mark, anything you want to ask? No, I think we covered everything. All right. Ben, anything we should have asked and we haven't asked? Wow. Is there um, anything you want to ask us as well? Yeah. When are you moving uh, your, all your sites to Elementor? <laughs> We are do we are slowly doing it, but the thing is, we're also taking the occasion of like all the new dynamic content stuff, etc., to figure some stuff out. As I said, like you know, uh, custom post types for different affiliate offers, and trying to figure out you know all these uh, dynamic fields, etc. It is interesting. It's you know sometimes I'm like we're, we're trying to as I said do these these star reviews, etc., and I had to find workarounds because the dynamic. Content is not all there yet, etc. I definitely feel it's the tool for the job. I like the reliability of the tool. It's just like I feel like, like when I put something in there, I know what's going to come out, which feels really nice compared to past experiences. But like, yeah, we're actually doing the new course using Elementor. So the reason why all our size is not there yet is because, well, it takes a lot of time to get there. And also we need to adapt our workflow to that. Well, I'd love to interview. We have a new podcast. I'd love to interview you for that. Uh, ask you questions. <laughs> Sure, sure, we can definitely do that. But I think we need to close this podcast first. Yeah, yeah. So, guys, thanks for listening. Ben, thanks for coming and answering our sometimes not so smart questions. If you want to find all the show notes, all the notes, all the links we mentioned in this episode and so on, you can find them on atarihacker.com slash elemental dash interview. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training.